0: Um, My name's Joel, if you didn't know, and um, I'm continuing a series tonight called One Hit Wonders. Um, I'm not sure whether I was a one hit wonder or whether I'm going to be a one hit wonder and this is my last chance, so um, you'll find out later. If you never see me up here again, this is my only occasion. Um, Can I tell you a really cool story? Um, it's taken me a really long time to get here tonight. Uh, it's actually um, almost 23 years um, since I last preached in this church. Um, so that's how good I am. Uh, they haven't asked me back. Um, so it's uh, actually September 1996 uh, was the last time I preached in this church. And... Um, This is a really significant moment for me. Um, I actually, around the time I fell into sin, um, I fell away from God, uh, I fell away from church, um, and lost everything. Uh, I lost my family, I lost my job, I lost my home, I lost absolutely everything, I lost my reputation, and um, it's only by the grace of God that I'm here tonight, uh, I'll give all the glory to him, um, because it's only only about him that I'm here. So 23 years, um, and um, hopefully this is not the last occasion. <laughs> hopefully uh, One Hit Wonder isn't a prophecy. Um, and um, so I want to give God all the thanks uh, for that privilege. I'm humbled by that. Um, tonight you can follow the sermon on your version app, so if you've got a phone with you, I was actually smart enough to get this arranged um, so that you could follow the sermon uh, looking at your version app and if you go to that and look at events, you can look up Launceston and find this particular sermon and follow along. So we're going to start with uh, a reading from God's Word from Ephesians and it says this, uh, it's Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles In love, as each part does its work. Simply said, the passage uh, we just read suggests that it is God's intention for us to grow and mature. Don't stay the same as you are. God wants us to grow. Um, And as a body of Christ, we should be built up. That's the word of the Lord. Last week, Dorothy talked about a way to grow, that we can approach this year, we can approach our life... Uh, through a pattern of review, recalibrate, redirect and recommence. Did I get that right? Yes, thank you. I want to add to that picture tonight. I'm going to start and give you a horticultural lesson. You didn't know that I had that in me, did you? Um, I'm going to give you a horticultural lesson. Here it is. Plants need the right conditions to grow. That's the lesson. Plants need the right conditions to grow. We've learnt this the hard way in our house. Uh, We have plants over the years that have not taken off. Uh, They've even died because they were planted in the wrong conditions. Um, And yet in another place in the yard, they might have taken off um, and and flourished. Why? Because if they're not in the right soil, they're not in the right light, if they're not in the right climate, even if they're crowded by other trees and definitely if they're not watered right these wrong conditions can cause or can hinder their growth they can even kill the plant now the opposite is also true if the plant is planted in perfect conditions the right soil the right light the right climate with the right amount of water this usually causes a plant to flourish here ends the horticultural lesson <laughs> Um, Thank you. Can you see where I'm going with this? Yes, it's obvious. Uh, The same is also true for us. The wrong conditions for us can actually hinder our growth. And the right conditions will actually help us to flourish. Uh, Flourish is a word that we like in this place. Uh, So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the right conditions for you to grow. Remember that God wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. So other than spending regular time with God, 20 minutes in the chair that we talk about here, I am convinced that there is a place and a way for Christians to grow uh, that is best for us to grow, the right conditions. And that right place, that right condition is within the context of a small, caring, sharing, supportive community of people. That's the right conditions. Did you know that some of the most um, successful sports people or the most successful musicians and celebrities in the world rarely achieve success and greatness alone? Did you know that? I know that's not a new revelation for you, but I wonder if you know how important those relationships are to them for their success. I recently learned that tennis player Roger Federer, um, we're in the tennis thing at the moment, often travels to tennis tournaments with an entourage of up to 24 people um, at a time. This uh, this group includes his wife and children, three nannies, um, two coaches, trainers, physios, security, personal assistants, managers, friends and and other family who provide support to him through those tournaments. Uh, Tonight I only came with an entourage of five, um, (laughs) at least five, um, and I even got some people from Wollongong um, in as extra support. So welcome, John and Maureen. Um, and I try to bring my entourage everywhere I go. Um, the point of this is that some of Roger Federer's success is a result of him intentionally building and having the right people with him, around him. Um, and we too can be intentional about the relationships that we have. Uh, that we can be intentional about building and having the right people around us and it's key for our growth as people. It's key for our growth as Christians. At Draw of Hope, we talk about being Jesus-centred, others-focused and together in community. Can we separate these things? Can we be Jesus-centred and not others-focused? Think about it. Certainly not. The Apostle John said, we can't love God and not love others. Can we be others-focused and not together in community? That doesn't actually make sense. How can we do those things? Uh, You probably don't even want to be in community if you're not others-focused. Can we be Jesus-centred, others-focused without being together in community? Is that possible? You tell me. Continuous and lasting growth happens with intentionality. It happens in the right conditions and it must happen together in community. And and I believe this happens best within a small, caring, sharing, and supportive community of faith. Let's call them Connect Groups, shall we? A Draw of Hope, our 2020 vision is to grow hope, grow invitations, and grow mercy. And I think there's actually a great opportunity in the context of our small connect groups to actually grow these things grow hope, grow invitations, grow mercy. There's a great opportunity because here we can actually experience hope and mercy up close. Uh, Within the big context, it's hard to see it up close. Um, because we can experience it within that deep life experience with others. We can see it demonstrated in our space, uh, with our connections. And it it becomes something more than just someone sharing their story of hope and mercy, because we actually can share with them in that story. We can interact with that story. We can connect with that story, because we're connected with them in a small community of faith, like a family. How does it feel when you see people's lives changed and hear their hope stories? When you, when you hear about salvation or baptism or healing or God's provision in people's lives, it's really stirring. Um, I love it. Um, it. It's encouraging, it's inspiring. Now, what is it like when you... Uh, when it's someone that you're closely connected with? So it's not just someone that you know about or you're hearing for the first time, uh, you're connected with them, like family, like friends, like someone who's in your connect group. Um, I'm really stoked about Abby's baptism today because um, she's in my connect group. Um, we do life together um, and I'm even more stirred because I have connection with her, I can connect, I can interact with her story. Um, and hope rises in that stuff. When we get to interact with that hope and mercy, our hope rises. We grow in hope and mercy. Imagine sharing in that invitational experience together. So we grow invitations. People in a connect group can actually uh, talk about the people they want to invite to church activities or to uh, church services or to church events. We can talk about it. We can talk about how we can do it. We can actually pray together for that person to come to that event. Um, And when they come to that event, the Connect Group can then meet that person. We can join in the journey. And when they've been coming and they've been coming and God does something in their life, the Connect Group can then celebrate what God is doing in their life. Um, So there's such a great opportunity within the Connect Group to join in that invitational experience and we grow in invitations. So isn't Sunday church enough of a community? Um, Don't I get enough of that community experience with that Sunday experience? Is it enough? Is it enough? I actually think we need to go deeper and we need to go smaller. Who knows that it's hard to connect at a deep level with a large group of people? Say the size of our congregation. I don't know what the size is, but it's actually humanly impossible to connect deeply with a a group of 600 people. So what's the number? How many people can you connect with on a deep level? Is it 200? Huh? Is it 100? 50? I'm not getting any kind of uh, (laughs) confirmation. Is it 20? Can we connect at a deep level with 20 people? Probably not. Jesus had a small group. He had a connect group of how many? 12. That he did life with at a deeper level. Remember at times there were 72 mentioned... There was 120 mentioned in elsewhere around Jesus, but the deep lie stuff happened with how many? 12. And sometimes even a smaller group of three. Now, the exact number isn't important. What's important to know is that we need to get small enough to get deep enough. We need to get involved with people's lies. We need the, Chunda, the Chunda, Sunday experience, no doubt. And we need it regularly. It's essential for our growth to do the Sunday experience. Uh, For our growth, for for teaching, for the corporate experience, for ministry, for inspiration, to meet with God, we need Sunday, but there's more. Um, In the big crowd, if that's our only community experience, it's so easy to go to to church and get lost in the crowd. Um, We can just go through the motions. We can just be a spectator in that... Christian experience and not really connect with people or not grow. Remember the parable of the sower it was the seeds that were shallow in the soil that became scorched and withered when the sun came up because they were not planted deeply. So we need to get deeper we really need to get deeper if we're going to grow how do we get deeper? Psalm 92 says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in old age, thank goodness. Uh, They will stay fresh and green. It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. How does that sound to you? I love the idea that uh, that we can flourish, that God wants us to flourish, that we can flourish. But we have to get planted. So what does that mean? What does it mean to get planted in the, in the house of the Lord? I think being planted means that we've got to get deeper. We need to dig in and get involved. Uh, we need to serve, we need to give, we need to regularly attend church. And it means investing in the lives of people. We can't do planted without getting involved. We have hope partners here. That's a way that we can get planted. Invest uh, in church, invest in others. I can tell you from personal experience, it's so much easier to grow when you're in the context of a small, caring, sharing and supportive community of faith. These communities should provide you with an opportunity Uh, should provide you with a safe place to do life together. That's what they should do. Uh, They should provide you with an opportunity to interact with other people's stories, to process the stuff that God is teaching us, to engage with Scripture, to share our joys and sorrows, to share our victories and struggles. Our Connect Group should be more than a Sunday church and a Tuesday night thing, Uh, because we can do that. Uh, These relationships should be something that happens seven days a week. Uh, Communicating regularly together, because that's so easy these days. Uh, Turning up when someone needs us. Helping out when someone needs a hand. Eating together, playing together and praying together. Imagine being a part of a community just like that. In a long time um, tonight. I'm going to share a, a picture of what one of those small communities of faith might look like. And um, in my leadership experience, in my Christian experience, I've often imagined what our communities, uh, what our connect groups could look like, or what they could be like. And I and I've imagined these things. So imagine with me, if you will. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans wrote these words that I think are prescriptive for our connect groups. He wrote these words, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. What on earth does that mean? Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Let's look at the rejoice with those who rejoice side first. How great is it when something good happens in your life? That's worth celebrating. You become a Christian. Uh, You have a birthday, an engagement, a marriage, a new baby, a new home, good exam results, winning a sporting grand final. How does that feel? Or feel? I'll get that right in Tasmanian. Um, How does it feel? You feel elated. Uh, Now, how would that same experience be if no one at all shared that joy? If no one shared that excitement with you, uh, it's possible that that joy would feel empty, or even not at all, because no one shared in your joy. Now imagine that same experience when others share that joy with you; that they they share that excitement. They rejoice when we rejoice. Um, It's awesome when when we can do it together. I remember the first time that this scripture actually made sense to me. Um, I have a close friend named Dave, um, who died about 18 years ago. Oh, 18, 18 months ago, sorry. Um, and I've got a couple of really strong memories of Dave uh, that have really last, uh, stayed with me over the years. One of those occasions was just about this, about rejoicing with those who rejoice. Uh, and it was the first time this scripture made sense to me. It was about 16 to 20 years ago, somewhere in that time frame. And Danielle had just got a new job. And Dave and his wife turned up at our house. They were in our small group at the time. They turned up at our house with a box of goodies. Uh, It included streamers, it included party poppers, uh, it included a card, it included a gift. Um, And it was just the four of us. Uh, Now, I can't tell you any of the details about the job, I can't tell you the date, I can't even tell you what was in the box. What I can clearly tell you is how I felt, even 16 to 20 years ago. Um, I felt a very strong sense of community. I I felt a very strong sense of connection um, and that we were in this journey together with them. I felt that they were actually genuinely excited for us um, and that we were important to them. you know what? All these years later, I've never forgotten that. Uh, And I value that about him. I want to tell you uh, that there's something very special that happens in community when you celebrate something with someone. Especially when you've walked the whole journey together. When you've walked through the struggles, when you've walked through the pain, when you've walked through all that stuff leading to that celebration. When you've done the whole journey, you've prayed with them, you've cried with them, All of those things, when you get to the joy, the joy is even sweeter. And the Connect group provides a really great opportunity to do that stuff. What about mourning with those who mourn? Have you ever mourned? A lot of us have, maybe not. What about really being sad? Or being really sad? Have you ever struggled? Have you ever been down? Have you ever been really sick? I've probably covered everyone now. I tried to include, be inclusive. Um, it, that covers all of us. Uh, we've all been in that struggle. Um, I've had a really uh, recent experience of mourning in my life. I'll try to hold it together. It was only seven weeks ago that my dad passed away after a reasonably short period of sickness. So it happened so quickly. I can honestly say in those seven weeks, uh, they have been some of the hardest and saddest days of my life. Uh, Christmas particularly uh, was hard because for the first time in my 51 years, my dad wasn't there. Um, And I felt mum's loss as well uh, because for the first time in 56 years, he wasn't there And I knew she was deeply sad. What I can tell you in these incredibly sad days is um, that in these days, I've actually felt some of the most powerful experiences of community, of love and compassion that I've ever felt um, in the midst of that sadness. It's because I actually experienced that mourning with those who mourn thing. Um, And it's real deep life stuff when you can do that. Uh, lots of people have been there for my family and I, uh, and especially my mum. Some people have actually cried with us. Not because, not just because they were sad, they were sad because we were sad. Um, and they were really powerful moments, um, when someone mourns with you. We've had lots of calls, lots of messages, lots of kindness, uh, and lots of help over this time, especially mum, And I've appreciated every one of those moments because someone's been there and shared that journey with us. All of us at some stage in our life experience some kind of pain and sadness, all of us. Uh, Whether it's the loss of a loved one or a whole range of other difficult circumstances, we all experience that difficulty. So what would those experiences be like if no one else was there for you? or if no one else shared with you. Connect Groups provide us with an opportunity to do life together, to share the joys and sorrows, the victories and struggles. When someone is sad, in pain, struggling or sick, we can support them. We can pray for them, we can love them, we can encourage them and we can provide for their needs. We can hold each other up. Now, I've got another passage here. It's from Exodus. And it reads this. Yeah, there you go. Um, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands the Israelites were winning but whenever he lowered his hands the Amalekites were winning. And Moses' hands grew tired they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now I know that's a pretty obscure passage. Uh, How does this fit? But I think it's actually kind of prescriptive of how a small group of believers could do life together. And it's about holding one another up. Um... Let's be a a community of people, full of people, that actually hold one another up. Well, I think of it. It's interesting to know that um, Moses was actually bald. Um, you all appreciate this, Wayne. Um, because Well, he actually wore a wig because it says that sometimes they saw him with air on and sometimes they didn't. Um, Boom, boom. Um, (laughs) You can use that if you like. Um, let's be a community full of people that hold one another up um, Galatians 6 2 says it this way share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ Hebrews 10 24 and 25 says this and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, those of you who know me well know that I have a couple of phrases and a couple of words that I use regularly. Um, And those words might be... uh, Cheering you on. What else do I use? You're awesome. What else do I use? You're all kinds of awesome. You're right. You guys win. Um, They're actually in my connect group, so they... No. Um, Cheering you on. Uh, I remember a soccer grand final that I played in and actually won. Uh, You might not know this about me. I'm a winner. Way back in 1988. Um, It might have been the last soccer grand final that I won, actually. Uh, What is funny uh, about that event is that I don't remember anything about the game. What I actually remember is the meeting that we had that morning. And what was special about that meeting was that we took time to cheer one another on. Um, I remember it was like, like it was yesterday, uh, because we made a very big deal about every player. Uh, we made a big deal. Uh, and we stated all the great things that we appreciated about each and every one of those guys. And it was stuff like um, great goal scorer, excellent defender... Um, great team person, encourage a great speed, uh, ridiculously skilled and then we'd cheer and applaud and we'd stand up and make a big deal. And it went on for ages. And that was all me. Uh, I think they actually said to me something like, Joel, you are the fastest and strongest player. We can't do without you. Uh, you are tireless and intimidating. Um, um, actually, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember anything that they said and it definitely wasn't those things. What I do, what I remember is how I felt afterwards. I think we all actually walked out of that room feeling taller that day um, and considerably faster um, and actually I thought that we were, there was no, no way we could lose. Um, we were so encouraged. See, there's great power in that experience because it lifted us. It encouraged us to do better. And I think the, uh, the principle of cheering one another on is the same for our connect groups because there's great power in cheering one another on. It can lift us, it can encourage us to press on. And it doesn't have to be like my soccer team experience, it doesn't have to be extreme like that. It can be just a simple encouragement in a conversation or a call. A call is when you actually speak to them Just in case you don't know. It can be a message, but you can actually call people sometimes, you know. Um, It can be a card or even a visit. Uh, Connect group communities provide us with an ideal setting and opportunity to cheer one another on. So get intentional about cheering one another on. Do it regularly, do it genuinely, and do it in whatever way you can because it makes a lot of difference in the lives of those around us. I'm cheering you on tonight. Pleasure. Uh, One of the things I I love most about Connect Groups is um, the opportunity to learn from each other. So who knows that they don't have everything? I don't know everything. Uh, I actually need you and you need me Uh, And we all have different experiences, we all have a different background, we all have a different life story and a slightly different view of God, that's okay. So when we bring those differences together in a small caring, sharing, supportive community of faith and hope, there is potential for us to learn a whole lot more about God and his word and his love that we could ever learn on our own. We need each other to do that stuff. Let me illustrate it this way. So if I was to get four people up here to draw this chair exactly as they see it, would they draw exactly the same picture? What if they were to draw it looking from different perspectives? Uh, So it looks... If I was to do that, uh, and if they were to look at it from different perspectives... Their picture would be different because their perspective is different. And it should look like this. So there's one picture. Next one. Next one. Next one. How clever am I that I did that? Um, it's the same chair. Um, but there's a different view of that chair to draw that same chair. When we come together in a connect group experience, we can each share our different perspectives. Our different experience, our story of God, and together we paint a bigger picture of who God is. That's the advantage. If I was to keep it on my own and, and exist on my own, I wouldn't get that bigger picture because I wouldn't have those different perspectives. You know what we get as well? We get that encouragement, we get that inspiration, we get the spiritual growth that happens with that conversation because uh, we need each other. I don't know about you, but I need more of Jesus in my life. I do. Um, I want to know him more. I want to know more of the word of God and what God has to offer me. But we need each other to share our different perspectives, our different experiences for us to grow. We need to hear the things that you're learning. We need to hear the exciting things that are happening in your life. You know, I love hearing the stories of hope and transformation that happen around Door of Hope. These are the stories about the things that God is doing in people's lives, about the lives that are being changed. And they have power to encourage us. They have power to inspire and teach us. And God can actually use these stories to change other people's lives. But we actually need you to tell the story. So be intentional about it. Come together and tell each other about the things that the Lord's doing in your life and keep doing it. Because we need each other's stories. What next? I promise I'm getting close. Uh, There are lots of expressions of these small, caring, sharing, supportive communities of faith. All of which can achieve the same thing. There are Bible study groups, prayer groups, accountability groups. They may even be social groups. They might be mentoring relationships like Dorothy talked about last week. There might be other key relationships in our life. They might even be long-distance Christian friendships. So I've got friends here from Bullongong tonight. Um, it's the right people. Remember the, the Roger Federer and having the right people around us? That can help us to grow. Um, they can be formal groups. They can be informal groups. You know, at Door of Hope, we've got a whole range of different connect groups that you can be a part of, uh, including youth groups, Do we have youth here? Yes. Young adult groups. Um, Mixed age groups, women's groups and courses like Alpha. And I know it can be scary to join a group when you don't know people. Uh, But my experience in over 35 years of doing these kinds of groups is that God is uncanny at bringing in the right people together. Um, We go into a group and think, oh, I don't know, I don't know. God actually arranges that stuff. And while it might not seem right at start, God knows what he's doing. I trust he knows what he's doing. And even though it can be messy, God needs that mess. We need to learn from that experience together. So let me just finish by encouraging you to get serious about growth. Get serious about growing up. Uh, God wants us to grow. He actually wants us to flourish. Don't just stay like you are but it actually happens best in the right conditions. It happens best together in community. So build the right people around you. Get into a connect group and do the deep life stuff together and rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Cheer one another on and share your stories. And how can you not grow in that kind of Environment, let me pray, Father God, we just uh, thank you that you' uh, you 're um, you're a loving God uh, that your intention for us is to grow and and to do for us to do life together. We were never meant to do that difficult stuff alone we are never meant to do that. Uh, Fun stuff alone. Um, You intended for us to do it in community. So, Father God, I pray that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to find those right people around us to help us to grow. And, Lord, that we can bring glory to you in our life uh, and go from strength to strength and um, that we can be like Jesus. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.